Welcome to another edition of the JP Pod. Having a special podcast today. Coming to you from an undisclosed location deep in the mountains of Tennessee. Uh, I don't want to give the exact location, but we're somewhere not too far from North Carolina, not too far from Virginia. And uh, I've got a special guest, as you'll probably know as the show goes on. Leona is not here with me right now. She's uh, back in Tokyo, but this is a special edition Tennessee JP Pod. All right, before we get started and introduce our guest for this week, I want to do a few concerts announcements for anybody who's still back in ye old Tokyo. Let me find the information here. Leona has sent me the information, and I am looking for it on the computer. Uh, like I say, she's, uh, she's back in Tokyo right now playing some, uh, playing some shows, so if anybody's over there, uh, check out Fiddle and Leona. Check out her uh, webpage, and she's got a couple of shows while... Uh, I'm still here in Tennessee at the time. Uh, I just want to mention these briefly. Uh, if you're in Tokyo, uh, at the Tokyo Big Site, which is a big convention hall there in Odaiba, uh, Fiddle and Leona and myself will be there on October 20th and 21st. Uh, just throughout the day, it's an uh, instruments fair, uh, musical instruments fair. They're going to have uh, all kinds of guitars. They're going to have all kinds of... Uh, I'm going to be doing some banjo stuff. Uh, they're going to have accessories. Uh, one of the biggest uh, trade, musical instrument trade shows in all of Asia. And that's October 20th and 21st at the Tokyo Big Site in Odaiba. I think you get off at uh, well, one of the Odaiba train stations. You can find Tokyo Big Site. It's where all of the major conventions in Tokyo are held for like uh, toys and products like that. Also on October the 26th, I think that's a Friday night, we'll be at the Cheshme uh, at... Sasazuka, somewhere in the Shibuya prefecture. Uh, we'll be there on October the 26th. Uh, that's going to be an interesting show because uh, the room's uh, kind of an interesting space. It's a tatami floor. So if you want to come do a little bit of uh, barefoot dancing, uh, listen to some fiddle playing and some banjo music, we'll be doing a duo show there. That's October the 26th at the Cheshme, and that's at Sasazuka. And you can find more information at CafeCheshme.com. That's www.cafeCheshmeh.com. So check out more information there. Then if you want to check Phil and Leona with a band that does jam grass kind of music, kind of David Grishman sounding, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Garcia-like jam music, she's going to be playing with, with them. Uh, 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 it's it's a group called uh, Eon, I-O-N. I'm assuming that's Eon or Ion, uh, whichever way you want to pronounce that. But that's at the Rocky Top Club in Tokyo, in Ginza, on October the 27th, so the next night after the Cheshme. Leona and I at the Cheshme, and then Leona with the other group at on the 27th at the Rocky Top, the world-famous Rocky Top Club in Ginza. Uh, also on October 28th, wow, we've got like three dates in a row here. October 28th, we'll be at the Stagecoach, and that's in uh, Otono Suji. <laughs> so it's just outside, not far outside of Tokyo at the Stagecoach. Uh, it's kind of a, an all-day uh, music festival. The whole town has got several events going on, uh, or they've got different events going on at different bars and live houses in the area. And I've got some ticket information on that. Uh, advanced tickets 
for the uh, the day of music there on October 28th or uh, 2,800 yen at the door or uh, 3,500 yen. And uh, the 3,500 yen comes with an original T-shirt. So you get a free T-shirt uh, with that 3,500 yen. And the event there at the Stagecoach starts from 4 and our, slow, our show slot will be at 6 p.m. And then uh, also, too, uh, 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 kind of a, uh, a, a night that everybody's getting excited about is Halloween night uh, at uh, October the 31st. That's in Tokyo at the Back in Town in Akebono Bashi. Uh, Leon is going to be doing uh, Super Country, which apparently used to be kind of a younger people's country group that used to play in Japan, but they're going to have Leona as a special guest singing and playing fiddle. And then also yours truly, myself, JP, I'll be setting in with them playing some banjo and guitar as well as a special guest. So that's a special night, very special event on Halloween. Uh, be sure to dress up a little bit, maybe come in your uh, coziest cosplay or whatever uh, kind of clothing you can come up with. You can come dress like a scarecrow or an alligator or basically anything that you can think of. And that's on Halloween, October 31st. It's at 7.30 p.m. Japan Standard Time. And the price for admission is 3,240 yen. So 3,240 yen. Uh, go ahead and get your reservations. That's going to be a special Halloween celebration. Who knows what anybody will dress up like. And like I say, come dressed up as anything if you want to. If you normally wear a suit, just wear a t-shirt and just claim you're dressed up as somebody that don't do anything. So uh, celebrate the spirit of Halloween on October 31st in Tokyo, Japan at Akebono Bashi at the Live at the Back in Town. If you want any more information on this, visit uh, Fiddle and Leona's Facebook page at facebook.com slash fiddleandleona, F-I-D-D-L-I-N-G-L-E-O-N-A. Or you can also visit her website at www.fiddlingleona.com. All right, so as I mentioned here before, everybody's waiting with hard anticipation on our next guest. Uh, I'll give just the, the basic introduction, and I'm going to let him uh, introduce himself uh, more thoroughly. But uh, I'm going to call him by the name that I referred to him as originally because I never knew his last name until later on in life. Uh, for some reason, his name is Paul. So it fits the J.P. John Paul pod. My name's J.P. and John Paul. So he fits the name scheme, uh, the first name, and I always wondered what his last name was, so I always just called him Paul Northquist, which is kind of noble. And uh, he's a good friend of mine, a musician, uh, plays. I'll let him kind of give an, a better example of his own music, but it's kind of uh, Appalachian, Appalachian rock acoustic heavy metal, old time, all of that mix. Is that a pretty decent... Yeah. How do you explain... Hold on. Let me just go ahead and introduce him. He's originally from Cock County, Tennessee, uh, which is, you know, they used to fight a lot of cocks there. Home of the fighting cocks. Home, the high school's the fighting cocks. Uh, so the mascot for the town is fighting cocks or fighting chickens, whatever you want uh, to do it. And they're also uh, very famous for Tennessee moonshine. So a lot of moonshines uh, came out of Cock County, uh, Tennessee. It's kind of between, roughly between Johnson City and Knoxville, kind of if you want to think about it that way. Not far from the Smoky, there next to the Smoky Mountains in Gatlinburg, uh, kind of in that section. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce him, and uh, I'm going to get him to talk a little bit about his music. Everyone give a warm welcome that's listening to the JP Pod to the one and only Paul Northquist. <laughs> 
I like Northwest, man. It makes me sound classy. It, it is. It's like it's like you're on some kind of like magical journey all the time. Right? Yeah. Or I have a clothing line that's like for people like trek up mountains. Yeah, yeah. Northwest. Yeah. We, sh- we should patent that or something. I True. Believe. So so how do you uh, I, so you're you're you have kind of your own kind of genre that you're into. How do you explain your music better than I just tried to a minute ago? Um, well, it's sort of like a a meshing together of a couple of different genres. So it's hard for me to explain it really. Um, so it's, it's sort of a mix of old time and heavy metal, mm-hmm. um, and some ambient right, right. stuff too. Um, I think when I started doing it, I think I just, I, I love both. Like I loved metal and I loved old time right, mountain right. music. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that, nobody was really putting those together for the most part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, like when you listen to bluegrass, you immediately think mountains, you know, you think, yeah, east, yeah. you know, you think, mountains, hills, woods, forests, cabins. Yeah. 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 Uh, but metal folks didn't really, it was sort of, I wouldn't say generic, but it was just sort of when you, you couldn't tell where the people were from. Right. It wasn't, I guess, geographically like pinpointed or whatever. Yeah. And so I wanted to make like, uh, metal music for people from this area, something that they could sort of call their I own. I see. And actually, you know, there's there's other people that are into that now as well, right? correct? Into similar... Yeah, so there's a, a couple other bands that sort of sprung up around the same time that I did, uh-huh. and it's, it's sort of become its own its own thing now. It's got, like, coverage in Vice and uh-huh. Decibel and a lot of, like, the larger publications. Okay. And so it's it's become a genre over the last like three years basically. So so let's go let's go back to the original origin story. Uh, uh, like I say, this is a special edition, so it's more of like a NPR style interview or something. We just won't get that low. Well, we'll yeah, we'll we'll pump the bass up and see. Your- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, give us like musically. I'm not going to ask you to like tell us like how you were born, like what kind of birthing you. Were, okay. were you natural birth? Probably. Yeah. You think so? I'm, you know, I'm going to assume so because of where we're from. Ah, true, true. <laughs> you probably didn't even go to the hospital, did you? Probably not a midwife. Yeah. <laughs> or just some old man that lives next door come over to the bathroom. Yeah, they just, they just hollered at him. <laughs> but uh, uh, so musically, when did you... I'm assuming you got into music even before you played music, right? Correct? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, my parents... Um, it's funny because... Um, when I was a kid, my parents like you know like lived in a tiny place in the mountains, but they always liked southern rock. Right, right. So they were like the, it's like anytime somebody came through Knoxville, like ZZ Top or Leonard or Skinner, Skinner or uh, uh, Thirty Creedence Clearwater. Yeah, Thirty Eight yeah. Special. Yeah, yeah. Um, we would literally always go to that. I got, I got, I have a vivid memory of like my first big time concert was ZZ Top. Okay. Uh, when I was five years old, which I probably shouldn't have been there for sure. Probably not, but it was a good memory apparently. Yeah, like yeah. it stuck with me. So it's one of your earliest memories in life is a ZZ Top. Yeah. Concert. Yeah. Um. So, I think I sort of grew up. I got the rock side of things first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think as I as I got older, maybe in my late teens, I realized that there's all this music that's happening around like the mountains in general. Right. Um, and it was sort of the music of my people. True. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cultural thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was weird cause I never really, I don't really feel like I appreciated it until I was older. Cause it was just always there. Yeah. Was yeah. Like, it was, yeah. I, I mean, I felt the same way about like bluegrass and stuff when I was younger. Like 
my grandpa used to do, uh, my grandpa in Virginia used to do square dances and stuff. Hmm. Him and my grandma used to every Saturday go to the dance. And I was around all that when I was young, but to me it was just the stuff my grandpa listened to. Yeah. So. Exactly. I feel like bluegrass is one of those things, too, about how technical it is mm -hmm. that sometimes you, you start playing other genres and then you appreciate it more later when you understand how any of the song structures yeah. of it. Yeah, well, like bluegrass and old time to a certain extent, old time's a little bit more rhythmical because it's primarily just for dancing. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, even bluegrass, it's basically hillbilly jazz. That's basically what it is because... You know, jazz music features kind of each instrument gets to do their own solos and stuff like that. Bluegrass is kind of laid out the same way as that. Like, you know, here's the moment the banjo does its solo, and here's the moment the guitar, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of a hillbilly, uh, hillbilly jazz uh, style of music. And in old times, like I say, it's a little more rhythmical. Everybody's just kind of keeping the beat. That's the... Uh... I think that's the hardest part, though, about meshing, uh -huh. um, like the rock genre with uh, bluegrass stuff, because there's no structure in in heavy metal true, stuff. True, true, true. I mean, the, there can be, mm -hmm. but there's no like rules to it. It's like if you if you wanted to play the same guitar riff for eight minutes through the same song, you can. True. That's one thing that throws me off about like rock music or, or even different pop kind of music is like if you do have an instrument solo or something, it it can have nothing to do with the song. See, that kind of, from where I come from with, you know, uh, starting in bluegrass, like, you need to stay close to, like, the melody of the song. I mean, you can do some crazy tangents, but everything's within the same chord structure. Just kind of like jazz, you know, you've got the same structure. You can kind of play around with the melody and stuff. But it's got to come back around. To, back to the same thing. But like rock music or, or even country music to a certain, some country music, uh, you know, has that moment like where it like modulates and change keys and then here's this solo that don't sound anything like the song and then it goes back. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that that's one thing for me. So you're coming from the other side yeah, where you're used to little structure. <laughs> yeah, so I can like... I feel like, um, like as a guitar player, for example, like I can play all the chords of bluegrass people, right. but the harder part to me is understanding when when to like break into uh, the, the solo part. Yeah, to do the break part. Right. Yeah, because like in bluegrass, most of the time there's this structure of like four or eight beats that separates the verse and the chorus or whatever. And I, I always notice, especially teaching uh, teaching people bluegrass or whatever, like to people that's grown up playing rock or country, those four or eight measures that separate everything are almost confusing and foreign to them. Mm. Because in bluegrass, you just know, okay, I've got, here's this rest moment. Just, you know, something's happening to fill in the middle and then I come, you know, I come back right at this point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so bluegrass does have a, it's free flowing in one way, but the parameters, like the edges, are structured. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's within a box. Hmm. You can do whatever you want to within that box. Oh yeah, that made sense. You know what I'm saying. The um, I, I guess there's probably a lot of folks listening to this that um, are unfamiliar with me. And the other um, the other thing that I do is I, other than the drums, I do all the instrumentation for my stuff and all the recording. Okay, so so basically you have another drum guy. 
Yeah, I yeah. Um, uh, Josh Theodore that lives up in Pittsburgh. He's like my mm-hmm. my drummer. I see. He's an amazing drummer. I, if I throw any sort of weird song structures mm-hmm. to him, he's a good enough drummer that he can fix all he can of my mistakes. Figure out what he needs to. Yeah. What he needs to do, and that 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 is a good a good drummer can even take something that's a little weird and make it sound like it was supposed to be. Yeah. Weird. So I'll yeah exactly. Yeah. So I'll do. Uh, I mean, he, he definitely hates me when mm-hmm. we do drum tracking because, like, I'll do weird stuff like overlap two different time signatures. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. And then he'll have to figure out which one to play to with. To play with and ignore the other. Yeah, and exactly. it, it'll always sound off to him regardless <laughs> of which one he goes with. Um, but uh, for me, it's, it's interesting, though, to, like, um, like see, like, you and Leona play, for example, uh, because a lot of my playing is like me sitting actually in the room that we're sitting in. Right, right, right. Um, and so this like undisclosed location. Yeah, this this top secret headquarters, <laughs> um, where like, like I'll have uh, like I'll set up all my mics and like I'll track guitars, mm-hmm. and then if I come through and do some, I can do some light banjo. Right, right. Um, so like I'll come back through mm-hmm. and play along with myself, and so it's kind of. Do you normally start with a guitar track? Um. For the most part, uh, sometimes I actually I'm getting to the point that I will start with a uh, with banjo here and there, especially um, if that it's that kind of rhythm. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I'll build sort of build from there. Yeah. Um, but seeing the interaction between a bluegrass band is interesting to me because I don't get that very often because it's like you're you're mostly a solo or a duo. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and even then, even with the duo. I pretty much do all my stuff, and then Josh comes in at the end. I see. Yeah. And does his yeah. stuff. Um, so the interaction between the musicians and figuring out like who does this break when, and mm-hmm. it's so fluid is kind of an amazing thing about bluegrass. So, so you started, uh, so you, uh, you started listening to music as an early child. When did you pick up an instrument? Um, so my dad, I think always wanted to be a musician. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he got me a guitar. I want to say when I was eight or nine, mm-hmm. Um, I guess I should also say I'm left-handed, so all of my instruments have to be left-handed. True, true. And you didn't. And I know a lot of people that are left-handed that just bite the bullet and learn right-handed anyway because it was easier. But you went ahead and went left-handed. I, I did. And so the funny thing was, Dad bought me a guitar because I think he. It was one of those scenes where he always had this dream and never did it, so he he wanted me wanted to you do it. to do it. Yeah. Like uh, if he'd wanted to play like badminton or something, he would got you a badminton racket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's probably the easier way to go, really. True, true. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because uh, I had to do all the practicing, and he just watched. Mm-hmm. Um, but he bought me a right-handed guitar. Mm-hmm. And did you so, try initially to try to play it right-handed? Or um, no. So so I actually ended up just flipping it upside down and playing it left-handed and learning the chords upside down. Upside down. That's pretty tough. I've seen a couple of people do that in my life. It is yeah. trying to do like a G chord or something upside yeah. down is yeah. is rough. So I did that for about a year. And then you just changed the string. Yeah, and then I I had it switched around. I see. Um, so I did that and then um, randomly bought a bass for some reason and mm-hmm. then um, I can do some. I'm a, I'm an okay drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Like I played in rock bands in high school and uh, always took it, I think, more seriously than like the other people. Right, like, you were more into it. They were more just wanting to be, I guess, cool or something. They wanted to get girls, basically. Yeah, so they, yeah. they only did enough to, to get some girlfriends, exactly. basically. Yeah. So they would leave, and I would pick up all their instruments and play them. Like, they like practice for 15 minutes and then go call their girlfriends. I would stay and practice. Yeah, and I guess it was just the fact that they were like practicing and like, uh, uh, 
they they just wanted to practice for a few minutes so they could call their girlfriends and seem cool and be like, yeah, I've just been practicing. That's exactly. Let's what go it, out and yep. be cool or something. Yeah, I, I can I can tell you this honestly, coming from bluegrass, that was never really a, a selling point. <laughs> Being a banjo player, you know, uh, I really never did. Well, I guess I guess I did kind of pick up Leona. From my banjo playing. I mean, yeah, that as long as it, you, it, it put me in the situation to meet her in Japan. Mm. So, uh, as long as you get one good one, yeah, I mean, yeah. But no, I never did have like women like knocking down my door or anything. Uh, I mean, I, I still don't, so it's right. fine. I mean, so I, it never worked for you either, even in the rock band. Because yeah, because you kept practicing. Yeah, true. And if anything, now I think it's probably an annoyance to my wife because like I have to stay. I I come home from work and then lock myself in this room. And, and work on your music stuff. Yeah, yeah. I kind, I kind of, I kind of get that. Uh, course, you know, like Leon and I's situation. I guess it's different where we both play music, so we lock ourselves <laughs> in the room and and try to try to figure out something. But uh, and and sometimes we get into arguments. <laughs> we we usually don't get into any arguments over anything except music. Mm, yeah, that's the primary thing. Like, uh, like she she'll want to do something this way, and I'll be like, no, let's do it this way. Or she'll tell me, like, she'll organize something and tell me to do it. And then, like, I forget yeah. how to do it. And she's like, I've already explained to you how to do that. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to tell me again. So, but, so you got into, uh, got into kind of a rock band situation. Uh, how long did that last through high school or um, beyond? Yeah, I mean, I think probably, um, probably through high school. I tried to play. Uh, to my own sort of frustration, tried to play with other people, and it just never really seemed to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe that says more about me than them. Well, no, I mean some people. Some people are much more comfortable in a, a solo or duo kind of thing. You know, Leon and I've been have been doing a lot of duo stuff the past couple of years, and at first it was real challenging because, you know, like she sings more than I do. I sing some, but. So I'm playing banjo, which most of the time, unless it's a slow song, I play guitar. But uh, so I, I had to redevelop my playing mind because I had to not also play a lead instrument, but I had to make the lead instrument be a constant rhythm. Mm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So I had to also do my lead parts, but make sure I keep a solid rhythm, mm. which you know is is kind of tough. So yeah, solo, and then when you go solo, it's even a whole other aspect because it's all on you. Yeah. True. Yeah. I've um. So I have a, a couple of different bands that I do, and so um, Twilight Fauna is the metal one, but so I, I do a, another one called Green Elder that's mm-hmm. all um, acoustic. Right. And so I've done some Green Elder shows, mm-hmm. and um, those just are the, by yourself, just by myself. And those mm-hmm. are the like I played a, a festival a couple of years ago that was like in the sort of the underground metal world was with all of my other favorite musicians. Right. And so, and uh, then, but you're doing the acoustic version? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did like an all acoustic night the first mm-hmm. night before okay. the big fest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I realized, like, somewhere in there, I realized, like, oh shit, all of my favorite musicians are going to be sitting on the front row and I'm going to be up here by myself. By myself, like, trying to play guitar and sing and do. What yeah. Did, what else did you play? Some banjo, guitar? No, at that point, it was literally just all. Just all, guitar? Yeah. And, and vocals. And so it was one of those, like, nightmare. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if I had been naked, it would have been, like, one of those nightmares that you have about, yeah. like. You can't get clothes on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know, it worked out. I guess I um, completely forgot where we were going with the origin story. I kept talking about me being naked. Well, no, so we've taken you from. Uh, 
we've got you, you know, into high school okay. with the rock band, and yeah. then now you're going solo. Okay, so um, so at the time, um, so I met my wife in high school, um, and so uh, when she was still my girlfriend, her uh, her uncle actually was a he's he's a pretty big time jazz guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a he's a drummer. Pretty, Where was he from? Uh, originally, uh, I think around the Chicago area. Okay, okay. But like he um. He organizes like he's played with a bunch of sort of big time jazz folks and organizes um like the this huge jazz festival in Mexico every year. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. Um but he actually moved um to Newport where we were living. In Cobb County, Tennessee. Yeah, for some reason. Um I think he he sold vintage microphones and radios like from the twenties and thirties. Oh, like tube tube radios yeah, true, and tube microphones. Yeah, and, true yeah. tube microphones. Yeah. And uh he also had an all analog recording studio mm-hmm. filled with, I want to say a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, I'm it was sure, a, especially with analog because all that stuff was expensive. Yeah, anyway. I mean it was huge tube everything. Yeah, um, and so I recorded a really bad rock album mm-hmm. when I was about sixteen with him. Uh-huh. Um, but it sh- it's, it showed me the recording process. You, you you got the basic knowledge of this is how they, and you got to see the analog process, which is more diff- more complicated than the oh, digital. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's better to see that first and then appreciate the simplicity of the digital world. Yeah, the fact that I can just do it now on a computer and a yeah. little. <laughs> um, so I, I I did that, and then that band sort of fizzled out shortly mm-hmm. after. So then I went off to college and I uh, couldn't do much for a while because I was too poor. Right, just trying to pay for school and yeah. pay for food and gas and everything yeah, I mean, else. Like first first person in my family to go to college, so mm-hmm. I was just trying to like not die. And, the, and they just kind of threw you out there like, here, just go do it, but you'll have to find something to eat on the way. <laughs> yeah, <something."> exactly. Like, <laughs> uh, maybe somebody will give you a sandwich or something. Right. <laughs> uh, so at that point, I, think I, I sort of switched because we were living in tiny apartments. And so I did senior songwriter stuff for a couple of years because right. that was like the only space that I really had to. Right, right, and you didn't bother the neighbors. Like, right, you're not like shredding. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so really, I just uh, that took me through college, and then in my mid twenties, I think I sort of, for whatever reason, got more serious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of right at, right when you finish college. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. But somewhere maybe <laughs> I'm putting it like you were in college for like 22 years. I mean, I was in college for like 8. <laughs> oh, you did 8? Yeah, I should have been a doctor. Did you do uh, community college? I did. Okay. Uh, yeah, 3 years of community college, 3 years of undergrad and 2 years of grad school. Okay. That's so, not too bad for no, all of that. I mean, I came out with 4 degrees yeah. in 2 years or 8 years. Yeah. It's not um, bad. <laughs> but I uh I think sort of Towards the end of my college days, I was like, I wanted to try to do something. It's kind of interesting, though, because here's where living around here in the mountains Mm -hmm. sort of um, pushed this along. Because I realized the kind of music that I wanted to play, there's almost literally nobody else here that does that. Right. So I figured out I'm just going to have to do this myself. Yeah, kind of and kind of be the only one. Yeah. At least for a while. Yeah. Um, But like you said, there's some more now. Yeah, but when I first started, I was mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know like where to, where to begin, um, finding those folks right. essentially. And so I, um, I just started basically accumulating gear. Uh-huh. You know, I was like, I started with like one microphone and a computer. Right, and uh, then you, yeah, just keep progressing, and you get interfaces and mic pre's and headphones. And, yeah, yeah, and so I, I understand that totally. Yeah, I I'm mean, still in the process of gathering stuff. Oh yeah, it's like a never-ending. Yeah, 
never ending process. So, so you've you've actually done uh, one of your big kind of niches is well, actually it's a trend that's coming back. But actually, in my opinion, you you started back into it before the trend really kicked in lately. You like to have records printed, actual literal records. I do, um, and it's I was. I was thinking about this when you said we should do a podcast. I was, I was thinking back on my own origin story. And I think a theme with what I've done just in general in life is that um, I will do something with somebody like uh, when I recorded that album when I was 16 mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll watch what they do mm-hmm. and realize I can probably do that. Right. And so I learned the process mm-hmm. and then do it myself. And so uh, records were kind of like that too that there was a, a label um, that wanted to put out a record of mine. Uh-huh. And so I just watched what he did. I see. I and see. then I realized, okay, I know what this process is. I can plan and do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did. I, I saved up like for a year uh, at the time and scraped together like $800 uh-huh. and uh, had a seven inch press to a little uh-huh. 45. And um, it's uh, it did well. I, I, it was one of those scenes where I was like, I'm going to do one of these. Right. And then, like, that's going to be my dream. Like, that's going to be the pinnacle. So, originally, you just wanted to do one to say that I have a record. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't even... Uh, I didn't Not even... like a police record, but like a... <laughs> yeah, like a yeah. like a, a spinning record. Right. Um, but I uh, I didn't even put a catalog number on it, because I figured this is going to be the only one. Oh, so you one. didn't make it, like, 001 or something like no, that? No. I think I just put... I had GE put on it for Green Elder. Oh, okay. Not General Electric. No, true. They could have sued me. <laughs> If it lit up, they would have sued you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They would have. You'd still be paying them back. Right. Uh, so people actually started uh, buying that record, which was it like blew me away. Um, I guess I should say, too, um, I, pretty much all of my stuff sells online. Yeah, give um, us, do a little advertising. Yeah. If people out there are interested, want to. You have sample stuff, too, don't you? I do. Um, yeah, so if you uh, if you go to twilightfauna.bandcamp.com. So you don't spell out Twilight Fauna? Uh, T W I L I G H T F A U N A dot bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually, you can just Google Twilight Fauna, right. and I'll be the first thing that comes up. Because there's nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not a lot of other stuff out there called Twilight Fauna, right? Um, but now, are you are you you're thinking about uh, having another band called like uh, Daylight Flora, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, so I didn't know this at the time. It's funny. There's a band called Twilight and a band called Fauna, and I didn't know about either of those. And so I don't sound like either of those. <laughs> and people have gotten mad at me because they expected. For me to be like, like a, a blend of both of those. Yeah, bands. and it's like nothing, nothing <laughs> like mine. So, so you have the you have the band camp uh, thing, and you've got uh, all your, a lot of your merchandise that's still available. And I have to tell everybody out here, Paul, like literally, like if he makes something and you want it, you better get it early because it sells out a lot, doesn't it? It does. Um, well, and I, I do it too, um, where like if I print a record. I would rather print two or 300 copies mm-hmm. and then have that sell out and move on to the next thing versus printing a thousand records. And having a bunch in the closet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a pretty niche thing what I do. And but you, you also do some, uh, you have downloads available. I do. Yeah. So every and CDs, um, CDs sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. um, but records and um, downloads mm-hmm. are uh, always available. And I think when you get the record, you get a download also. You do. It's like an immediate okay. download. And I'm on um, all the, I'm I'm on iTunes and Spotify, right. Amazon. Yeah, yeah. I have a 
distributor that just puts it on all yeah. digital yeah. stuff. Yeah, we do too. But we but always remember this too out there listening, people. If you can buy f- directly from an artist's site through them, we get a little bit more out of it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, they're better off. I mean, you're better off if they do come to your Bandcamp page. Yeah, yeah. If you buy directly from Bandcamp, I'll get 90% of that. Yeah, as you're listening to this free podcast on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, like, so, like, if you listen to me on Spotify, if you listen to me 10,000 times, I'll make like a penny. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's horrible. Like, uh, Leona gets some, uh, like, Amazon Music, you know, the streaming services or Spotify or something like that. Yeah, it's like a few cents. Right. It goes into a bank account like once a year or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, it works. I mean, I guess at least people are getting something out of it. And I guess if you had like a, 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 a million seller album, it would add up a little bit more. But, but always remember this. You know, everybody always says shop local or listen to local music. If you can, buy something from the artist either in person at a concert or something mm-hmm. or directly from... Uh, their most prominent website. That way the artist gets a little bit more out of it and we cut the other people out. True. iTunes, um, as we're on you. Well, and with, <laughs> it, and with, uh, with my stuff too, um, if I do play live, if I do do something live, it's literally just like usually me doing an acoustic thing. Right. Because I, I can't recreate the metal stuff because I do everything. Do you, ever, do you ever do anything, any looping kind of stuff or anything to kind of create? You? Um, I haven't just because there's real no way to do that. I mean, I would literally probably have to loop something and then set an instrument down and then pick another instrument and, and up. And then loop something else. And, yeah, and yeah. so I've just never really messed with that plus um josh lives like seven hours away right so you could just get him to record something and you could just pop it through like a karaoke drum track oh true i've seen i've seen artists do that like on their on their iphones Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. Um, another apple reference trying to get some apple money so so we've got yes (laughs) thanks itunes for running this free podcast um so basically we've got so so we've we've kind of went through your musical journey what's your musical future what 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 have you not done that you would like to do, or what kind of new ideas would you like to uh, play with? Well, uh, that's something I've been thinking a lot about because, like I said, I just planned on doing the one record. Mm-hmm. And how um, many have you done so far? Um, I, my eighth one will be released in November. Okay. And okay. so, and I was thinking about this the other day. Um, labels have released three other ones, so I there's eleven records out there living. wow that's that's quite a bit because even like like leona and i've only put out what, three <laughs> yeah true so, yeah um uh, hopefully work on a fourth one this uh, this next coming year but, well uh, and i think i can do more because i don't play live so like all the all the work that y'all put into playing live is just me on the recording true, you here. can record more yeah well, i mean you play live occasionally though. i do and so that's sort of thinking about the future mm-hmm um, Are you wanting to get out in the public more? Well, so last year um, I did these Green Elder shows, mm-hmm. um, sort of leading up to that festival that I played. I did, um, I think, four or five around different spots in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did like Denver, Cincinnati, Maryland. Right, right. Um, and they're all sponsored by the same organization, or um, no? The people just brought me in. I was basically oh, like, yeah, I was basically like. Who wants to see me play where? Who can bring me in to, ah, to play these shows? So it's kind of like crowdfunding yeah. gigging. Yeah, just yeah. like get me there. And it's easy because it's just me with an acoustic guitar. Yeah, not a whole band. Right. Yeah. Um, but that was Green Elder stuff. And for years, people have been asking for um, a Twilight Fauna live mm-hmm. something. 
and there there are all acoustic Twilight Fauna songs. Um, in fact, I, y'all were on. We couple, did the guest slot. Is it, that's the newest one coming out, right? Yeah, yeah. So that one's out um, already. And so yeah, uh, JP and Leona played on my last record mm-hmm. um, and made me sound way better <laughs> than I probably should have. Um, but I've uh, I've never played Twilight Fauna live in any capacity. Mm-hmm. And so, um, this is sort of breaking news, I guess. That's what we're all about. Yeah. um, Here's the JP pod. Yeah. (laughs) um, uh, uh, I'm going to play this secret show. There's a private event Mm -hmm. um, up in West Virginia. Uh Uh, A few hundred people, I think, sort of said, hey, we want you to play up here. Uh So, I'm going to play that next year. But I was thinking that sort of leaves everybody else out. Like, if you're not invited to this this private private event. Yeah, Yeah. like, you don't get to see me. So... um, Currently, uh, the plan is to, um, I think I'm going to record a live album of just acoustic Twilight Fauna material, and then that way it's going to be the same set as what I play. I see, I see. The show, see. so then that way, like if you're not, if you can't come to the show, you can still hear it and have. Uh, the when you do a live one, are you just going to do it live, live, or are you going to have like a live studio audience going, Ooh, oh, or something like that? <laughs> I think probably. I think I'm going to call it live from the porch. Okay. And I'm just going to literally set up mics on my porch and play it straight through. Have some birds chirping in the background, that, that yeah. uh, pot helicopter that just flew yeah, over. Yeah, that always checks our area. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh. So, I, But I'm going to do like no, um, it's going to be literally, I, I'm going to leave in all the mistakes and all the, uh, Yeah. like if I sing off key, it's just going to be there. You know, I'm under I'm under the, the, the thinking at the moment that uh, stuff has become, music especially, uh, has become too perfect, mm. and I think there's a yearning for more simple stuff and uh, real raw things right now. Mm. Because you know, if you listen to pop radio or rock radio or whatever, there's not much rock anymore. But uh, you know, if you listen to anything, like that, everything is just so perfect. Mm. It's not humanly possible to be that perfect. I mean, a few people back in the day could be, you know, people like Ray Charles, but they still had little flourishes or this part was a little bit louder than the other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But today, I think they're, I think more and more people, as time goes by, grasping for simplicity. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think with a lot of the pop stuff, like, They'll like. There's a reason every chorus sounds exactly the same. It's because they only do one th- that they like, and then they'll just copy and paste it. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. And that chorus is just copied from the tune of another song that was a hit. Yeah, and that's the reason you end up getting, uh, whether it's country, uh, pop country, as I call new country, or just general pop music. That's why you'll go through like two years, and you're like, oh, is that that song? Oh no, it's another song, but it sounds like that song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They just, if one thing hits, without directly copying, they try to mimic it as yeah. close as they They'll can. They'll just use the same chord progression like yeah. over and over. Yeah. Or even a similar melody, just like two different notes or something. Yeah. And then and then in people's minds, as you're listening to it in the radio, it becomes the same tune, and sure. hopefully it becomes a hit. So so we're, uh, uh, we're like I say, we're still here with Paul Northquist uh, trying to figure out uh, his origin story. So, so, so you're hoping to do some more live stuff. I think so. Or at least the one I, I, I found out, I've realized about myself. Um, I got about four live shows in me a year. Is, I that, think, is that, is that what you're comfortable with? Yeah. I think for some reason that's just like the nice, like if I do one every three months, that's about right. Yeah. Um, so and, each season, 
yeah. a, a winter show, a fall show, a spring. So, yeah. yeah, and so I did five last year. That's one too many. Yeah, one too many. So mm-hmm. I literally took this year off. Like I haven't played any live uh-huh. stuff this year. And so then my really my one live show next year will be this sort of special event. Okay. Um, well, that makes it kind of, well, I mean, it makes it exclusive too. You know, it's just like Leona and I, you know, like we're in Tokyo and you would think you could play in Tokyo constantly, but you have to be a little careful. You don't want to play too much because you're wearing the same people out. Does that make sense? It does. You need to spread it out. Or if you want to play another show, you need to go on the outskirts or even to another city. Yeah. And play a show once a year. You don't want to overstay your welcome, basically. Oh, and that's what I did with those series of shows last year. It's like I did one Midwest show, mm-hmm. one West show, one East Coast show. So, like, where I sort of have, like, a niche audience, but I have people that are really passionate about my stuff, they, they'll they travel in for it. I see, I see. And so it sort of creates a, a sort of a special atmosphere because, right, like, right. all of these people have... Yeah, have as opposed in. to if you played, like, two or three times a month, then everybody would be like, ah, I saw him, like, two months ago. Yeah, I mean, so. if I played Johnson City every weekend, then yeah, nobody's going to... Yeah, so... You know, that's that's the other thing people have to take in consideration with music. But I really, uh, I've enjoyed this podcast uh, getting to know Paul. And hopefully down the road we can bring him in for some more uh, some more insights. Uh, we're going to try to uh, get another special podcast going for episode 14 uh, and bring in a, another person. So uh, his name will be John. So we will have a John, a Paul, and a John Paul on the JP pod. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna work on trying to put that show together for you uh, while I'm still back here in Tennessee, and uh, we'll kind of get into that. But like I say, uh, we're gonna go ahead. Is uh, is there anything else? Do you want to do one more advertisement for your information as we're signing off here? Um, website. So. I'll just make it easy for everybody and say just Google Twilight Fauna, and my Bandcamp will be the first thing that comes up. Uh, if you're not into metal stuff and you want just sort of some experimental acoustic stuff, mm-hmm. you can Google Green Elder, mm-hmm. and I'll also be the first thing that comes up. Okay. And uh, buy directly from my Bandcamp. I actually do have quite a. Uh, you got merchandise. You've got clothing. I, I, I do. Yeah, yeah, and it's constantly being updated. And mm-hmm. I actually sell quite a bit to Japan. Actually, yeah. I sort of have a yeah. contingent over One there. One of your biggest market. I mean, you you send a lot of records to Japan. Also, they. I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, records and clothing. So so yeah. Um, Support that if you want to. Um, mm-hmm. If not, support JP and Leona. Yeah, well, I mean, in this podcast, you know, it's uh, it's listened to people, you know, both. It's listened to people in Appalachia mostly and in Tokyo or in the rest of Japan. So it's yeah. kind of probably one of the most weirdest split podcasts on the planet where Japan and Appalachia are your are, is our, our primary listeners. Well, I mean, that's, we sort of are those people. Aren't well, we? that's true. That's true. That's the two things I care the most about. Right. But uh, so anyway, so uh, don't forget to check out Twilight Fauna or Green Elder. Green Elder, uh, and uh, we'll try to get Paul back here for another special edition of the JP Pod. Uh, I guess as as we sign out, I'll uh, just uh, say if you want any more information about the JP Pod, uh, follow us on. Uh, we have I have a JP Pod. Uh, Facebook fan page uh, so if you want to go on there and like the JP pod I always put the latest announcements and stuff up on that Facebook fan page uh, and you can also follow us you can visit our website to download all of our episodes even past episodes at www.johnpaulusa.com and uh, just click under the section podcasts and that'll take you there uh, if you're interested in shopping for antiquities and you live in Japan 
uh, you can check our story out on uh, johnpaulusa.com. Or if you want to check out anything about our music, uh, Fiddling Leona or myself, uh, you can check us out at uh, www.fiddlingleona.com. Be sure to put that G in there, fiddling. We're very proper over in here. So fiddlingleona.com or she's on Facebook. Uh, got a fan page at fiddlingleona.com or facebook.com slash fiddlingleona. You can also find us also Fiddling Leona on Instagram and so just 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 get a like Paul just type in Fiddling Leona on Google and all that stuff will pop up. So uh, anyway, we uh, we appreciate you for listening to this special uh, episode episode thirteen. I'm waiting for Jason to come busting through. Oh, the, Friday the thirteenth. You know, maybe maybe we can get into another pod. Uh, I know you're into old movies. Oh, yeah. And so maybe we can do a little movie discussion, which will be kind of unusual for this podcast, but it's something I want to talk about. So we appreciate you for listening to us. And uh, wherever you're at in the world, have a good morning, a good day, or a good night. I'm JP. I'm Paul Ravenwood. Northquest. North, Paul Ravenwood, Northquest. Northwest. Yeah, hyphenated. Yeah, yeah. And you've been listening to the JP pod. <laughs>